You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a good show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit more about the games this past weekend, a little bit about the Super Bowl, a little bit about fan behavior, which is driving me nuts. One thing I mentioned that I was going to talk about but never got to it in yesterday's podcast, the broadcasts, the two vastly different broadcasts we heard this past Sunday between Fox's coverage of the Niners-Eagles game and CBS's coverage of the chiefs Bengals game. And if we have some time at the end, I'm going to talk a little golf. I know that maybe puts some people to sleep sometimes, but there is a new innovation that started this past weekend that I don't know why it took forever, but I definitely think it helps. So we will get to that momentarily. All right, let's uh, start talking a little bit more about this past weekend's games. I think one of the things that you can take from the Kansas City chief Cincinnati Bengal game is that these two teams, we know Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes is 27, and Joe Burrow is 24, I believe, maybe 25. And these two are going to be around, barring injury, a long, long time. I'm guessing that's not the last AFC championship that those two will play against each other. They've done it the last two years. Yeah, I'm guessing sometime in the next 10 years they'll probably at least two or three more times just because and that even seems low just because there's so many good quarterbacks in the AFC. We've gone over this time and time again. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. There's great quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, who if he comes back from and, and is healthy and can be the old Lamar again, this is a guy that can easily lead the whatever team he's quarterbacking to an AFC championship game. But two years in a row, we've got Bengals at KC, They've split. I got to believe it's not the last time they're going to meet. Maybe not necessarily in the AFC Championship, but in the playoffs. You are going to see these two teams there uh, for a long time coming, like I said, barring any crazy injury. And as we know, they've played four times in the last two years. Played twice last year, and they played twice this year. All four games decided by exactly three points. Cincinnati was 3-0 and going into Sunday's game. They beat him 27-24, 27-24, 34-31, and then Sunday's game was Kansas City winning 23-20. It's like these teams could play forever, every season, and it just seems like no one is blowing the other one out, barring the other team having a meltdown or five turnovers or major injuries to their best players. Four games in two years, and none of them decided by more than three points. So you got to figure... If they continue to play each other in the future, in the playoffs, there's going to be great games. They're going to be close. And that's what we want, you know, as fans. And seeing it the way it played out, I think the the Kansas City Chiefs obviously deserve to be in the Super Bowl. They, they won the game. Um, Bengals had their chances, couldn't capitalize, and the Chiefs did. So they get all the credit in the world. They are now in their third Super Bowl in the last five years. Patrick Mahomes has been in the league six years, but remember his first year he sat on the bench behind Alex Smith until the last game of the season where they put him in and he played, and he played well. And I think that's when Kansas City made up their mind, like, whoa, we got a star on our hands. He's starting game one next year, and that's the way it's been for the last five years. But what Patrick Mahomes has done this early in his career is uh, amazing to think. Three Super Bowl appearances now. He's probably going to rack up his second MVP He's thrown for one season. He had over 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. He's already won a Super Bowl. 
Like I said, he's been to three. Patrick Mahomes has 10 playoff wins in five years as a starter in the NFL. Remember, that stat I gave you a couple weeks ago. Tom Brady has the most most playoff wins in NFL history. He's got 35 career playoff wins. Joe Montana is second, and he's got 16, which shows you how dominant Tom Brady has been. Then you've got Bradshaw, Elway, and Manning, Peyton, all with 14 wins. Big Ben and Brett Favre have 13 wins. Aikman, Staubach, and Aaron Rodgers have 11. And there's Patrick Mahomes and Joe Flacco at 10. Well, in case you didn't notice, everyone above Patrick Mahomes is retired. So he's only moving up, and none of these guys are building on their wins. Patrick Mahomes has 10 playoff wins in five seasons. Second place all time has 16 total. So he is clearly, again, barring a major injury, I I can't see any way that he doesn't get seven more playoff wins to move into second place all time. And he'd still be 18 behind Tom Brady, which shows the dominance uh, of Tom. But what he's doing is incredible in his first five years in the league. I mean, the only drawback uh, to Patrick Mahomes is probably his brother's TikTok. It's about the only negative thing you can say about that guy since he's been in the league. You just can't say enough about Patrick Mahomes, really. You can't. There's you're, you're running out of superlatives to define him. And if he wins in two weeks in Arizona and has two Super Bowl wins in his first five years, 11 total playoff wins, I mean, we are talking about Tom Brady category, not in terms of overall wins, but he's on a trajectory if he plays – 10, 12 more years where he's going to set a shit ton of records. You know, one thing I've been doing the last couple weeks that I've given you on Fridays is a three-team 10-point teaser. I did it two weeks ago, that hit. I did it this past weekend with Philly, the Philly under, and the Bengals. Now, there's only one game left, and that's the Super Bowl. Could you still technically do a three-team 10-point teaser? Of course. As long as there's three sides, you can bet. And every football game has four sides. The favorite, the underdog, the over, or the under. So, right now, you could tease both sides and get Kansas City at 12.5, Philadelphia at uh, Kansas City at plus 12.5, Philadelphia at plus 7.5, and and then go either way on the total. I think it's 50 right now, so you could go under 60 or over 40. And that could be your three-team 10-point tease. I don't suggest it because that's almost forcing it. With one game, granted, it could still hit, but I'm not going to do a three-team 10-point tease on one game. It's just it's too much. It's forcing it. Right now, um, as you know, I've got my bet on Philly to win the Super Bowl. I'm probably just going to stick with that. You know, maybe um, I'm not going to hedge that particular bet, but maybe I tease some basketball games leading into that and close. You know, do a three-team teaser in basketball. And close it with Kansas City plus nine and a half. So I could technically win my Philly wins the Super Bowl bet. And if they win by nine or less, I'd win all my teases going to that. Or if Philly wins by 10 or more, yeah, I'd win my Philly bet, but I'd lose any teaser going to that. So it that's where, I mean, that's where I'm at. I don't expect people, other people to do that. But that's where I'm going to kind of cover myself because... I have a better chance of winning both that way as opposed to just putting a 
number on the Kansas City money line, and then I'm guaranteeing I'm going to lose either my Philly bet, which was 500 bucks, or whatever I put on Kansas City if Philly does win. So I'm playing around with it. I'll probably do some basketball teasers and tease Kansas City up to nine and a half. So I'm covering both sides, and if it's a close game, uh, assuming uh, it, it would be a great if Philly wins a close game or anything nine or less. So that's what I'm kind of looking at, but I don't suggest doing a three-team 10-point tease on one game. It's just too much. Okay, did you see by any chance the video pregame of a Philly fan taunting Joey Bosa? Joey Bosa is the brother of Nick Bosa, who's a defensive end for the Niners. You kind of need to see the video. I'm going to play the sound here uh, for you. And this is what I'm talking about when it comes to just ridiculous fans in sports. I kind of equate them to Toxic Bachelor Nation because just listen to what this fan did. This is before the game, outside, in the parking lot. Joey Bosa is there with his crew, and here's an seemingly an Eagles fan. I was... I don't think this was a, a Niners. Yeah, I wouldn't have been a Niners fan because Joey Bosa was dressed in Niners gear, even though he plays for the Chargers, but sporting their, his brother. So he's wearing Niners gear. Eagles fan comes up to him and does this. I mean, look, I have no problem with playful bantering if you run into an athlete. That was not playful bantering. That was literally a drunk, assumingly drunk Eagles fan trying to instigate something with his cell phone to get Joey Bosa in trouble and get him on camera doing or saying something. Now, Bosa did have a seltzer in his hand, so I think that saved him. If Joey Bosa was drunk, that guy would have been cold cocked right in the face. Because Bosa does come up to his camera about two feet away. You'll see in the you'd see in the video. I have it in today's column, so go check out realitysteve.com. I just put the video on there. And yeah, he didn't need to make the butt buddies comment, but basically called him, you know, a fucking loser. And then when the guy asked him, how about those fines? Because uh Joey Bosa got fined a couple times for his lot during the loss to the Jaguars. And he's like, Yeah, I can pay it. And the, and the guy behind the camera was like, I can't too. It's like, dude, look, I don't condone violence. And I don't think athletes clearly should ever put their hands on a fan. However, if that would have happened in this instance, while it would have looked bad for Joey Bosa and have been a black eye for the NFL and Joey Bosa, where do you draw the line? So fans can just say whatever they want and taunt just a guy who's doing nothing other than, you know, standing outside with his crew, getting ready to go into the game. But this guy's allowed to say and do whatever he want and chant his name and, you know, you know, make fun of him for not being, not playing this weekend because his team lost. And it's one thing to be like, you know, I mean, to, 
to say it over and over, Bosa, and just get closer and closer with your phone, it's clear this guy was instigating and wanted to get Bosa in a compromising position and then probably sell the video to TMZ or something like that. Like, that was clear what he was trying to do. It wasn't like, hey, man, tough luck. Sucks you can't be playing in this game. Ha ha. You know, but the, the, the clear taunting of him and acting like a complete asshole. Yeah, it would have sucked if, you know, he hurt the guy physically. But, God, it just, how come fans just can't be fans? Just cheer for your team and go home. You see an athlete out, don't bother him. Especially recording him. Just come on, people. You know, I you know we've heard the stories over the years about Philly fans. Michael Irvin was face planted into the ground and had a neck injury that almost that pretty much ended his career, and the Philly fans were cheering as he was carted off the field. Like they've booed Santa Claus. We know all the stories that it, when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles fans and just Philadelphia fans in general. And I'm not singling them out. There's plenty of other bad fan bases out there that do some really bad shit. But this particular instance, it's almost like. Again, where do you draw the line? What are fans allowed to do? Yes, you paid money for a ticket, but that doesn't give you the right to be a complete asshole, whether it's in the stands or in the parking lot before the game like this video was. If I were Joey Bosa, because he was clearly bothered by this guy, I probably would have tried to grab the phone and throw it and stomp on it. Because, okay, you didn't you didn't physically hurt the individual, so he can't charge you with any sort of assault. Yeah, if Joey Bosa would have cold-caught this guy in the face, wouldn't have looked good. And he probably would, and he would have been arrested. And you can't do that. Like I said, I don't condone violence against fans. But fans have to stop acting like assholes. Because that was a dick move by this fan to do that. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to instigate Joey Bosa. One of the most feared defensive ends in all the league. And he got under his skin, for sure. Got Joey Bosa to call him a fucking loser. You know, got Joey Bosa to call him a broke bitch. Okay. Probably the best Joey could do under those circumstances. But you know Bosa wanted to wring this guy's neck. Probably like most of you did listening to that. It's just so annoying. So, I don't know. It's like I tell Toxic Bachelor all the time. Hey, stop writing negative shit on contestants' pages. Stop telling them to kill themselves. Stop telling them they're bad mothers. Just don't do it. But it doesn't matter. It's in one ear, out the other. The trolls are going to troll, and they're going to do what they want to do. And that's exactly what this guy did. He's probably going to do it again at a future game. And what would it take for him to stop doing that? Probably getting punched in the face. Which then he becomes the victim, and he gets to sue, and the player gets in trouble. It's just like, gosh. Be like, oh, Steve, they're making millions of dollars. How hard is it to just turn that off? Well, clearly it isn't because he was bothered by it enough to where he got in this guy's face. And if I were him, I would have grabbed the phone and stomped on it. It's like, great, what's the guy going to sue you for? A few hundred bucks to get him a new phone? I'm sure Bosa would have been fine with that. But that video is now gone. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I just, it, fans drive me nuts sometimes. It's so bad. One last thing about this weekend's, this past weekend's games, and that was the broadcast between CBS and Fox. Fox obviously has the NFC Championship game, and that was Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson on the call, CBS, Jim Nance, and Tony Romo. When Tony Romo first came on the scene broadcasting, he was everybody's new favorite broadcaster. Not everybody's, but he was very, very well-liked in the media. 
He was predicting plays. It was just something we hadn't seen in such a long time. Now the narrative has changed quite a bit on Tony Romo. And if you listen to this past Sunday's game, I I can't believe that there's more than 10%, 20% of the people out there that like the way he broadcasts now. It is just a bunch of screaming, saying Jim Nance's name 100 times a broadcast, not providing as much insight. And I know Tony knows his football, clearly. He was a quarterback in the NFL for as many years as he was. He knows, excuse me, he knows what he's saying. However, he's become like, he's getting worse as a broadcaster because he's becoming less articulate in how to explain what he knows is going on. He's so scatterbrained and he's got a hundred thoughts going through his head and he can't get through one thought without skipping to the next one. And man, he is, he literally is terrible now. You can be like, oh, Steve, I always hated Tony Romo. No, if you're being objective, he was not a bad broadcaster his first year on the job. He was really, really good. So many media members thought, wow, this guy's a revelation. We haven't seen a broadcaster like this who's literally calling out plays and can see things before they're happening. Well, now we're, what, six, seven years into his broadcasting career? It's not that way anymore. He's just yelling in the booth. It's terrible. And what did I tell you last week in regards to Greg Olson? I said, this guy's not a good broadcaster. He is a great broadcaster. And if you see some of the articles written online this past weekend, they are all on Greg Olson's jock about how good he has been and how good of a broadcaster he is and comparing it to Romo, who came on right after him. We only had two games to watch on Sunday. Olson was up first, did an excellent job doesn't scream, doesn't yell, explains things without mansplaining it. Just really solid broadcast that you learn from every time you watch a game. Tony is just like a little kid in a candy store up in that broadcast booth. Jim Nance has got to be beside himself with how ridiculous Tony acts during the game. I like the fact that he's got enthusiasm. Okay, I'm not going to say, hey, Tony, pipe down and just sound monotonous but he's literally just screaming and he's not broadcasting and he's not letting plays breathe. He's just jumping in on everything. And yeah, you read some of the articles that came out yesterday. It is just, wow. Greg Olson is the new standard in this industry for football and Romo has fallen off the cliff. Now the biggest thing and the most interesting thing is we know when Tom Brady retired before last season, Fox offered him a 10-year, $375 million contract. Like, he is going to Fox and becoming a broadcaster once his playing career is over. Well, you're not paying him $37 million a year to be on the number two Fox broadcasting team. But Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, the number one team, who will be calling the Super Bowl this year, thank God, Fox has the Super Bowl this year. So Burkhart and Olson will be on the game, and you will hear me raving about Olson after that game, I'm sure, because he's going to have... Two weeks to prepare for their game, and he's been so good up to this point. I can't imagine he's just going to have an off game at the Super Bowl. But the question now becomes, if Tom Brady does retire and when he retires, is he just going to slide into the number one booth and it's just going to be Burkhart and Brady and and Olsen gets demoted just because Fox dedicated already $375 million to a guy who's never broadcasted a game in his life? Uh, if I'm if I'm Fox, I somehow rework that, or it's very possible Tom Brady doesn't go into broadcasting after his career is over. Uh, that might have just been something he did on a whim and didn't put a lot of thought into it. Uh, 
Worst case scenario, worst case is they go to a three-man booth and it's Burkhart, Olsen, and Brady. But I think Burkhart and Olsen are now number two broadcast team in all of the NFL behind Buck and Aikman. And I can't wait till they're on the call for the Super Bowl. But when Brady eventually ends up quitting football and retiring, if he's still in this deal with Fox for 10 years and $375 million, I hope Greg Olson doesn't get demoted and go to the number two team. Greg Olson should be on the top game of the week every week. Guy's excellent. Excellent if you actually listen to what he says. And I do every week because when I listen to games, I like having the announcers on because I want to learn something when I watch football games. I've been watching it since I was in college. I've been watching football for the last 25 years, and I still learn stuff when I watch the games because of the announcers. Some are better than others. I don't feel like I'm learning a damn thing with Tony anymore. I feel like I need my eardrums cleaned out after I let, listen to a game he calls. Greg Olson, I'm learning three to five things a game, and uh, I think he's excellent. I can't wait till uh, they call the CBS. Uh, they call uh, the Super Bowl for Fox this year. And finally, just wanted to end on this note. I'm going to talk a little bit of golf here, and I don't talk golf until the majors come around. I only really watch the majors. On the weekend, if there's a decent tournament, I'll catch you know maybe the Sunday round, but you're, you won't hear me talk about it on the Sports Daily. I know it doesn't interest a lot of people. However, something that golf did do this past weekend that the CBS broadcast did, and this is something that you're seeing more and more now in sports, in-game interviews, you know, I'm sure a lot of you have seen golf on TV for at least you know five or ten minutes at some point in your life. And you're like, holy shit, this is the most boring thing on television. As George Carlin once said, it's like watching flies fuck. So (laughs) watching golf, no, not the most exciting thing in the world. Even for someone like me who used to play it a lot, I'm still very interested. I'll watch the majors. I'll bet on the majors and stuff like that. But am I watching, you know, eight hours of golf every Saturday and Sunday? No. However, CBS this weekend decided... We need, they know, they need to spice up their golf coverage. So what they did for one of the holes, one of the golfers, Max Homa, who's a pretty good golfer, um, they gave him uh, AirPods after he teed off. And as he's walking to his shot, the announcers were talking to him. And the golfer was explaining to the broadcast team what his thought process was. Now, some of you still might not find that the remotely interesting, but I'm telling you, golf fans who tune in on Sundays find that riveting. And golf, people who play golf, we've never been able to know what is a golfer thinking when he lines up a putt. What is a golfer thinking as he's walking to his next shot? That happened to be a par five. He had a pretty decent tee shot. Does he go for the green in two? Does he lay up? All the things that we want to know because we've never really had access to a lot of golfers in our lifetime. They're very, you know, to themselves. And the good thing about golf is you can actually spread your knowledge and, you know, tell an announcer what you're doing and what your plan is because golf is a one-on-one sport. It's you against the course. Yes, ultimately you have to beat the other golfers, but it doesn't matter if Max Homa's walking down the fairway and says, I'm going to go for this in two. Because even if that somehow got out to the other golfers, that doesn't change anything. They're just going to play their own round and do what they want to do. So I just thought it was really good. It's on CBS's Twitter page. It was like a three and a half minute conversation. It looks like CBS is going to do this a lot more often. I'm curious to see if they do it at the in the majors, at the masters. Not all golfers are going to want to do this. There are some that are just way too dialed in and like, no, I have to focus. If I feel like I'm talking to somebody else and I'm jerking around and I'm not taking it seriously, 
Um, yeah, there will be some golfers that won't agree to do this, but uh, if you get a few golfers every round that agree to do this, it makes it so much more interesting. That three and a half minutes was like, wow, I never thought about this from a golfer's perspective as he's walking to his next shot. So check that out on CBS anytime they do it. I, I'm guessing this means NBC in the coverage that they have of the tournaments that they have, they're probably going to try it too because there's nothing negative about this because we know golf broadcasts are boring. You got to do something to spice it up. And not that he's dropping any sort of tea, but it was just really interesting to hear a guy in the three minutes walking to his next shot explain exactly what is going through his head. What was going through his head on the tee shot? Does he draw the ball? Does he hook the ball? Uh, does he does he fade the ball? All that stuff. And on this par five, it was just it was just really interesting. So uh, I for those that didn't see that, maybe go check it out on Twitter if you're interested. But I definitely think it's going to add to the golf broadcast. We're seeing this more and more. We're seeing managers in baseball get interviewed like after the third inning and stuff like that. You know, you can't really do it in football. You can in the in the smaller leagues, the XFL and uh, the USFL, which are coming in the spring. You'll see, you know, coaches and players mic'd up during those. You get to hear what's going on in the huddle. But this is just, I, I think it's a great innovation. I'm glad golf decided to do it. And it makes you wonder, Jesus, golf's been on the air for 50, 60 years, and no one ever thought to talk to the golfers as they're walking to the ball? Like, yeah, crazy to think that. But, um, yeah, really good stuff. Check it out uh, if you're interested. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcasts. As we say every week, it's a new podcast. Still want to get this thing going, up and running, and uh, get as many listeners as possible. So tell everybody that you know uh, to check it out. So thank you all for listening. Uh, I appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.